0: Welcome to the Nourished and Nurturing Podcast, We're two holistic-minded moms with a passion for real food and raising healthy, empowered children. We want to provide a safe and educational, judgment-free zone for supporting women as they journey into motherhood and discover the mom they were meant to be. I'm Marissa of Confidently Balanced. I'm a former speech-language pathologist turned nutritional therapy practitioner and have a passion for all things health, wellness, and mindset. I'm also a mama to a little guy with a big personality. And I'm Michelle. I'm a nutritional therapy practitioner student. I have a degree in Thai massage and a master's in business analytics. I'm a mama to a little one and have another one on the way. The content of this podcast is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or qualified health provider with any questions you have regarding a medical concern. Hi, everyone. I am here today with a special guest. Hi, Kelsey. Hello. Hi. So excited to have you on here. So Kelsey was in my NTP program in Chicago that we just finished in February. So super excited to reconnect. And Mm -hmm. as a caveat to all episodes recently, you may hear some baby noises. (laughs) So... Just a little bit about Kelsey. Kelsey is a nutritional therapy practitioner and creator of Gut Chuck, an intensive six-week course that provides clients with an education and resources to achieve optimal gut health. She helps women and families understand dietary and lifestyle factors that are harmful to the gut and provides practical tools and education necessary to restore the gut from a foundational perspective. When she's not geeking out about gut health, you can find her roaming around Chicago with her fiance and fur baby Banks at a coffee shop, dog park, or cozied up at home watching Sex in the City. Uh, Yeah, and if you follow her on Instagram, you'll get lots of good Banks shots. (laughs) We're a little bit obsessed with him, yeah. <laughs> and just rewatching Sex in the City.
1: Oh yeah, just over and over again. <laughs> I feel like when, especially whenever Nick leaves the apartment, I'm just like, okay, now I can watch Sex in the City because I know that's not something he's interested in even
0: listening to. So. <laughs> yeah, I can't be within earshot if you have that on, right? Um, so, uh, DVDs? No, on Amazon Prime. <laughs> oh, okay. I didn't know it was. Yeah, on there. they're all on there. It's pretty nice. Yeah. So, yeah. Can you talk about your background? Like just in general, what led you to nutrition in the first place? Yeah. So I kind
1: of have to track back a few years, but I graduated from the University of Iowa in 2016 um, with a bachelor's degree in child life. So it's very different than nutrition right now. But um, with that, I worked at a children's hospital in Des Moines, Iowa, and helped pediatric patients cope with their hospitalization. So I worked on the inpatient unit, and a lot of our work was centered around educating and preparing patients for procedures and developing coping techniques with them and just helping them normalize their hospitalization in general. Um, We would do a lot of medical play and just helping familiarize them with equipment they would be seeing and staff and just prioritizing play and encouraging those normal developmental milestones for them. Um I love the job and still value the job immensely, but I part of our job was also working with end-of-life um moments with the kids and their families and Helping them cope through those situations, whether it be on the oncology death or if there was a sudden death in the R, death of a parent, whatever it was. Um, and over time, I I just burnt out, and it was very emotional. And unfortunately, I burnt out a lot quicker than I thought I would. I was there for two years. I was going to say two hours. I'd be very short. Um, but it just I just started to notice with my mental health and my relationships. It just wasn't a healthy thing for me anymore. Um, So while I was working at the hospital still, I recognized that I wasn't in the place mentally or physically that I wanted to be and just needed something that was different and going to shift that space I was in. So I um, started doing beach body coaching part-time while I was still at the hospital. And I noticed that I was very drawn towards working with my team members on the nutrition piece of it. Um, and I'm not sure if you guys are familiar with Beach Body, but all of the programs, they come with a workout program. And then along with that comes with a nutrition program. Um, and I just spent so much time you know, kind of specializing these nutrition plans for people and going above and beyond anything that I was even qualified to do, (laughs) but I just found it to, um, be really interesting. And I was definitely drawn to that area. So, um, realizing that I didn't have any credentials or education in nutrition whatsoever, I wanted to kind of take that next step to have some credentials to back me up a little bit and that's when i enrolled in the nta and then yeah graduated this past february with you and now here i am so just kind of totally and fully in love with helping people use food to change their health um so it started in one very different place in college but a few years later i'm i feel like i'm exactly where i want to be and just everything that we were able to learn through the NTP program and everything I continue to learn now just fascinates me and excites me every day. So it's pretty cool.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. You actually have a really similar story to Marissa. She was speech pathology, but she did, um, Like some feeding specialties and end of life care. And then she did Beach Body too, which is. Oh, really? um, Yeah, kind of funny. She was saying that when she was like looking you up that, uh, like, oh, I I have a lot in common with her. But yeah, it's very similar. um, Yeah, I think just that, like, being drawn to helping people and the health side of things, like, it all kind of, like, I studied Thai massage and it's like, I can't get enough of just learning (laughs) right know, And it's exciting
1: when you do feel like you're just in that flow and it's not like ever since, I mean, even when I started school, it never felt like work necessarily. Like I was genuinely excited to do most of the homework and you know, all that stuff. So
0: yeah, that program Um, is awesome. It is. It's yeah. I can't recommend it
1: enough, but yeah, it all just felt right in my gut and yeah, led me to where we are today. So it's pretty exciting.
0: Yeah. And even even in school, people already kind of started micro-specializing. Um, so what led you to want to do gut health? Like what drew you into that?
1: Yeah, this was a good question. And I started thinking about it and I don't think it was until like three quarters of the way through our program um, that I really found myself narrowing in on gut health. I think at the beginning we were just soaking up so much information from every angle that I didn't have like a gut feeling, no pun intended, um, towards a specific niche that I was, I mean, we were just filled with information that it was hard to, I mean, it was also great. So you're just like taking it all in. Um, but then for one of our book assignments, I read the book brain maker by, uh, David Pulmetter is, that, I don't know if that's how you say his name, but Perlmutter yeah that might be it. I'm so bad at pronouncing names, but um it I felt like my brain just exploded in a good way. Um, but everything just was clicking as I was reading it, and I knew in my heart that this was wanted the area that I wanted to spend kind of all of my energy on. Um, and especially now, the more research I've done, and kind of after I came to that realization that this is what I wanted to narrow in on, I truly do feel like the magic pill or quick fix for that we're all looking for when it comes to health is optimal gut health. And even though it's not necessarily a quick fix, but I think it is like the fix that links everything together. So I don't know. I think that's that book started um, my fascination with it. And then I just couldn't stop researching and going down all of these rabbit holes and
0: yeah, and I haven't even gone that far down the rabbit hole. But what's interesting about it is so much of the science is so new. Like, they thought babies were born sterile until, like, 20 years ago or something. I, like, didn't know about all this that's going on in the gut. So um, it's it's a pretty cool place to be because a lot of people don't have this baseline knowledge like they do about Vegetables, or you know, things like that,
1: right? Yeah, it's definitely getting more attention, I think, which is great. Um,
0: and I don't know if
1: my perspective is skewed a little bit just because I feel like on my social media, I am following a lot of people that are familiar with gut health and that type of thing and just kind of our world. But no, I think it's it's great that it's becoming more popular and it is so new and yeah, it's just exciting. But some of the science behind it is just mind blowing and, um, really exciting. So that's why I started the gut
0: check course and just feel like this information has to get out to everybody. So can you just say more about that? Like, what do you mean when you talk about gut health? Cause I think it's something people throw around a lot, but don't necessarily know what it means. Like, you know, people are talking about probiotics, but can you give us kind of the big picture? Yeah,
1: for sure. And I totally agree in that again, is another reason why I
0: wanted to do the course just to really
1: back up the education piece of it, because that's how I felt too. When I was first hearing about gut health and probiotics, like you said, and we hear all these things that we're supposed to be doing, but do we understand why? Not usually we just kind of follow the, you know, diet culture or whatever is trending. (laughs) Um, so I guess, I mean, it's so complex, but if I were to narrow in on kind of the two variables that I consider having optimal gut health is having a strong gut lining and then having a healthy balanced gut microbiome. So those are the two factors that we focus heavily on in the course. And I think if you are able to achieve those two things, um you will be set up for success. Um, so do you want me to go into kind of both of those just to explain? at a deeper level, why people should prioritize those. Okay. So I'll just start, let's start with the gut microbiome and what that is. So that's within our intestines, like you said, which is mainly our large intestines. Um, and it's a microbiome that is home to over 100 trillion microorganisms, over 400 different bacteria species and other good fungi that help our bodies function. Um, I often refer to those kind of as our belly bugs, just because it's a simple way to put it. But these belly bugs help us do so much um, in our bodies. And arguably, they do almost everything for our body. Um, Just to list some of the main benefits that they have, they help promote good GI function. They produce neurotransmitters, which I know you guys have talked about a little bit on your podcast. Um, they're home to 70 to 80% of our immune system, which is huge. Um, especially right now in the time that we're in and really being able to focus on our gut health and understand that if we want to build up our immune system, it's really necessary to start in your gut. Um, they create different vitamins and minerals. They regulate metabolism and other hormones and I don't know. You name it, they probably do it. So this is why it's so crucial that we have a proper balance of good bacteria in our microbiome to keep it balanced and functioning the way it should. Because too often in our modern culture, so many of us suffer from dysbiosis, which is when the bad bacteria in our gut is overriding the good bacteria um, by a long shot. And this is usually caused from specific dietary and lifestyle factors that we are exposed to all the time, um, whether those be antibiotics or alcohol, MSG, chemicals, I mean, all the stuff that we find in our food and products, hormonal birth controls, like the list (laughs) truly goes on and on, but it's hard to avoid a lot of these things because they are just inherently in our food and air and water and everything that we expose ourselves to. So that is the microbiome piece of it. That factor, and there's like. also
0: there's also like yeasts that can outgrow if you don't have the right good bacteria, right? Like right. candida. Yep.
1: yep. So we need that good bacteria balanced, like a good ratio, because otherwise that bad bacteria and that bad yeast just take over, um, and that's what can cause a lot of conditions down the road. Okay. So keeping that good balance in the microbiome, and then let's go back to then the gut lining. So that's the other factor that is really important to gut health. So this is um, the barrier that separates the microbiome that we just talked about from our bloodstream. So in an ideal gut, we want everything that's in the microbiome to stay in the microbiome because our bacteria know exactly how to assimilate and how to deal with everything that's in there, for lack of better words, but what becomes a problem is when our gut lining becomes damaged, and this allows then different protein particles from our food and toxins and other compounds to leak through that gut lining and into the bloodstream. Um, So this is often referred to as leaky gut. Um, I know a lot of people are familiar, again, with that term, but might not exactly understand what that means, but that's just referencing when the gut lining is no longer a strong barrier, but more so like a meshy consistency or Nick likes to refer to it as like a Swiss cheese (laughs) with holes in it. Um, So that's when your body recognizes that these, say there's a toxin that releases into your bloodstream and your body recognizes that, that that is not where it's supposed to be. And they're seen as foreign invaders or an internal threat. And then that's when your body kind of goes into attack mode and elicits those immune responses that can lead to, I mean, so many conditions, but a lot of the autoimmune conditions and food intolerances and allergies and just an overall weakened immune system. So, um, keeping that gut barrier, that gut lining strong is really, really important. And, um, So many things like a couple of the top offenders are sugar, for example, or gluten, vegetable oils. I mean, again, some of the medications really just break down and damage that gut lining. And when we are constantly exposing ourselves to those factors on a daily basis, oftentimes, um, it's really impossible for that gut lining to heal. Um, So this chronic exposure then leads to so many health conditions that all of us typically experience. I mean, it's crazy just thinking about like allergies and the, and I don't have any children yet, but my mom is a kindergarten teacher and it's just wild to see, even since I was in grade school. I mean, we had a couple kids that would have peanut allergies, maybe, but now I feel like you can't take a peanut within two miles of school. Like it's almost all of these kids are developing these um, allergies. And I truly feel that it is just, I mean, their little bodies are being exposed to so many factors that, are, that aren't that are allowing their gut to do its thing and to fight off what it needs to. So, so yeah, so just recap, I guess. So the gut lining to keep that um, nice and strong and then to just try to keep a really good balanced gut microbiome are the keys to um, good gut health.
0: Yeah, I love that. That makes it really simple just to think about the two sides of it. The the lining and then the bacteria balance. And they're kind of separate things, but I'm sure related. Yeah,
1: absolutely. And that's kind of how I originally was able to get a grasp on it. And I think it's just an easy way for people to understand, just like at a foundational level, what um, can be worked on. Because it's it's complex and everybody is going to be very different when it comes to healing their gut. But if you can do those two things, I think you're
0: definitely on, a, on the right track. And then I think you touched on this with the gut lining, but how does digestion play into that? Yeah,
1: that's a good question. So yeah, it'll kind of overlap with um, the gut lining. But when we have undigested particles of food enter into our intestines, it can cause damage on our gut lining, which will lead to that leaky gut situation that we talked about. Um, So undigested foods can I mean, result in rancid fats and rotten proteins and fermented carbs that are really irritating to the gut. And over time, it's just going to chip away at that gut lining, as well as the good bacteria in our microbiome. Um, so again, then those undigested particles have the opportunity to leak into the bloodstream. And again, in efforts to protect our bodies, our body will try to fight them off, and then they elicit those um, immune responses. And that's when we find... So we develop food intolerances or food allergies and things of that nature.
0: Okay. Yeah. That's really interesting. Uh, Cause we did a whole episode on the food allergy side of it, but this kind of gives the reverse of what causes it and why, why do we care about, <laughs> why right. do we care about that? Um, so yeah, I guess, where do you go from there? So I, I might have some symptoms. How do I know if I have a gut issue or where I might want to address it? Like if it's leaky gut versus the bacteria. Uh, Cause that's another thing I think I hear as people have a little bit of digestive upset and it's like, Oh, well I took a probiotic and it's better. <laughs> right. Um, versus kind of addressing the whole sy- system. Right.
1: Um, yeah. That's a good question. So I mean, some of the symptoms that you may experience, like if you do have gut dysfunction, um, like you said, it's different GI issues. So if you feel bloated or constipated, if you have gas, things like that. But again, that could also just be an indicator that you have low stomach acid, for example. So you don't necessarily want to bank on the fact, like if you have gas, you absolutely have dysbiosis. Um, But some other just general symptoms that people have, again, those allergies and food intolerances, that's a good indicator. If you're frequently getting a cold or the flu, um, several times throughout the season, if you feel tired and sluggish and your energy is just kind of off, um, poor sleep, if you feel like you're stressed all the time, that's a pretty good, I mean, indication that there will be stress on your gut as well. Um, I think it's more excess weight around your midsection is a big one. Um, That's one for a lot of people where I feel like they might not have weight issues anywhere else in their body, but if it's just kind of right around that midsection area, that can be an indication of gut dysfunction. Um, And an interesting one is, like chronic bad breath too is an indicator of gut dysfunction. So I think when I mean there are so many and there are probably more that I'm forgetting but um what I encourage people to do is always start with um digestion and like we talk about in the NTA program, addressing those foundations first. And the first thing would be to identify certain foods and toxins that are going to be damaging to your gut and just try to remove them. Um, As soon as you can remove those damaging factors, that's going to allow your gut lining to heal um, before you even start introducing any probiotics or anything like that, because regardless of what your health condition is. If you're able to take out those, you know, um, bad guys in your diet, I guess that's going to do a lot of good for your body and your gut lining, especially. Um, So taking out the, and we talk about this in the course, just kind of all of the specific um, offenders that may attack your gut lining or microbiome. So taking those out and then figuring out what your food intolerances are, because again, those are going to be very damaging to your gut. So if again, you can remove those things that are causing the most harm, that's going to be a great place to start. And then working through your digestion, like we talked about is I would say the next step. So, um, I have a few digestion tips. Would that be helpful? Just that people can implement like in their next meal today, if they wanted to. Yeah, that'd be great. Okay. So one that I like to do is just to drink just to sip on like some warm lemon water prior to eating your meal or your snack. So this just helps produce enough stomach acid to aid in the breakdown of your food. And I feel like we have all been brought up thinking that too much stomach acid is always a problem and leads to a lot of digestive symptoms. But, um, and like, you know, like we learned in school, Nine times out of 10, people don't have enough stomach acid to digest our food, which then leads to those digestive symptoms like bloat and gas and heartburn. So if people are able to just sip on some lemon water before a meal, I think that can be really beneficial. And it's not a huge transition. I mean, you're not even going on a supplement yet or taking any sort of medication, but it's just a natural way to stimulate um, the stomach acid production in your body. Um, so that's the first one. And then the second one is to just get into a relaxed state um before you eat. And I know this is hard for all of us because we are just naturally on the go people all the time, and because I life to children <laughs> because, yeah, it's just life is that's just how we've been brought up. You just are doing a million things all the time. And typically, you're eating, in the car or running into work or whatever it is. Um, but if you can just getting into a state where you can sit down and get your body into that parasympathetic state, it's going to be so much easier for your body to digest your food. Because if you think about it and we're in a sympathetic state, our body is focused on, you know, it's releasing these stress hormones and trying to balance us out in that way. And it's not at all focused on our digestion. Um, so It's just not going to be a priority at all. So, if you're able to sit down and just take a few deep breaths before you eat um, and removing yourself from electronics, which I still am guilty of at times, we like to have our dinner with a Netflix episode or two. Um, But it just helps you kind of be mindful and um, in tune to what you're eating and chewing your food and not just, I mean, I feel like half the time when we do watch TV, I like two minutes later, my dinner's just gone. And I feel like I didn't even look down at my plate and like, What am I doing. Um, so it takes some time to be intentional about it, but if you can do that, I think it helps so much with just allowing your body to recognize like, okay, I'm going to start eating. I need to start the process of digestion. Um, so slowing down a little bit and then chewing your food. And we talk about this one a lot in our gut check course, but I feel like this is something that sounds so juvenile and it definitely did to me when we heard it the first time in school or podcast or wherever I heard it, but it's truly one of the most effective ways to support your digestion. Um, We, I try to say, try to at least chew your food like 20 to 30 times, which sounds like a lot before swallowing your bite, but this allows the mechanical breakdown process to start um, prior to even... The food entering your stomach because if you think about it half the time, we just and you'll notice once you start to be intentional about chewing, you're like, Oh, typically I would have swallowed it after like bite four and then just swallowed it. And you really notice once you actually chew it and chew it 20 to 30 times, it, it's kind of like a mushy consistency, which is a little gross, but that's so much less work that your stomach has to do to break that down. Um, and yeah, so that's kind of my those are my go-to digestive tips. And then also one more I forgot about this one is just to avoid drinking a lot of water before and after and during even your meals. Um and I know I said to sip on some warm lemon water which is fine and it's okay to like sip on water during your meal, but when you're chugging water before and after it just dilutes that stomach acid again, which makes it hard to digest. Um so yeah, to bring it all back. (laughs) If you have gut symptoms or you think you might have some gut dysfunction, I think just focusing on um, being intentional about removing those offenders that are really harmful to the gut and then focusing on your digestion before kind of doing anything else or moving forward because it might just be a digestion issue and you aren't chewing your food well and it's just always undigested protein particles that are making it you know, stressful on your gut lining. So that's kind of where I encourage people to start.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. Um, do you have advice for, so for example, like I didn't know I had a food intolerance until well into eliminating it and trying to add it back in, you know, like Mm -hmm. you just have some symptoms, but it's hard to pinpoint maybe what's causing that issue. Um, Because I do think you saying that, like, eliminate foods you have issues with, I think there's a lot of people that would just say, oh, I don't have any issues with food. Um, So how do you address that with clients or with people in your program, like, identifying if they have a food intolerance? Yeah, that's a good question.
1: Um, One that I just want to hit on first, because this is a lot, when you say people are like, Oh, I I just don't, I don't have any issues with that food. I think the ingredient that comes to mind is gluten. Um, and that's one that's, I mean, before I knew that this was such an offender to the gut lining, I didn't necessarily have symptoms when I would consume gluten. I didn't get bloated or, you know, have any cramping or, you know, constipation or anything like that. So I wouldn't have known necessarily, but to everyone, we are not fully able to digest gluten. And again, that is one of those specific ingredients that are hard on everybody's gut and gut lining, regardless if you have an official allergy to it, or if you have any, um, diagnosed intolerance to it. Um, so there are some that are just kind of generalized for everybody. Like sugar is another example, like that will no matter who you are, that is going to damage your gut lining. Um, But in regards to kind of navigating a specific food intolerance for you, I teach um, the clients in the group, the pulse test. Um, I don't know if you want me to walk through that or more so the symptoms that you might experience if you're having a food intolerance.
0: No, if you want to walk through it, that would be awesome. Okay. Um, so one thing that you
1: can do if you're suspicious that you have a food intolerance, um, right away in the morning, say it's bananas, for example, um, take your pulse, just sitting down, um, when you wake up for a minute and record that number. And then after you can put, a little bit of banana in your mouth, just kind of like mash it around, but don't swallow it. Just keep it in your mouth and then retake your pulse. And if you, and then record that number. And if that number increases by more than six, that's a good indication that it might be a food intolerance. Um, Cause that's just an indicator of your body kind of listening, eliciting that immune response. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's one way that I help my clients navigate through that. But some other just general symptoms, if you have food intolerances, I mean, I know for me, if I, it is very clear sometimes when I consume something, because my heartbeat just starts to race. So if you notice you're eating something, and I'm, I'm sure many of you have had this before, but didn't really even think about it or make the connection, that's often an indication that there's a food intolerance happening. Um, If you get dark bags under your eyes, that's another indication. Um, And then just like the GI issues. So just be mindful if you have a meal or you have a snack and after it you have diarrhea or you just have this weird bloat or something that's just not normal, it might be common for you, um, but it's not something that you should be experiencing. Take note of it. Um, And then I would just encourage people to kind of eliminate. So then if you're suspicious of something, it's hard when you have, if you eat a meal that has, you know, 10, 15 ingredients in it, because it's like, where do you start? How do you play detective with this? Um, But just kind of narrow down and start having, just trying one ingredient or two, and just kind of narrow it down back and see if you're experiencing any of those symptoms. And you can just kind of figure it out from there. It's not, A super quick process. I mean, sometimes you might get lucky and just kind of have a gut instinct of what it's going to be. But without actually getting tested for a food intolerance, it kind of just takes some detective work and just being really mindful with your body and listening to those signs and symptoms that it's giving you.
0: Yeah, that's really helpful because usually I've talked about uh, elimination diets where you have to take something out for two weeks and then add it back in. But if you have, issues with more than one food, it can get tricky with the eliminations. um, Because if you're not eliminating everything you're having an issue with, it might not work. Uh, So I like that pulse test idea because you can test just one thing first thing in the morning and then eat the rest of your breakfast and go on with your day. Right. Yeah. And it's, I mean, it's a process trying to
1: do it without any lab work or anything like that. And if you can, I encourage people to do that. Um, but there are ways to do it at home. It's just going to take a little bit longer, a little more work, but yeah, that's kind of my tidbit on food intolerance
0: navigation. And then, so you touched on the sugar in terms of the gut lining, but what about like, how does sugar relate to the bacterial balance. Can you touch on that too? Yeah. So with
1: sugar, I mean, the biggest thing with sugar, I think, is it can be very damaging to the gut lining, like you said. Um, But with sugar, um, it can increase the bad bacteria in your gut. Um, And this, this is when a lot of people then get kind of addicted to or Quotes, addicted um, to sugar. And you're always having these cravings because your bad bacteria is just growing and replicating and feeding off of that sugar. Um, And it's creating a huge imbalance in your microbiome that your good bacteria just isn't really able to keep up
0: with. So I think you talked about this, like what systems the gut goes towards. Like you talked about all the different systems it's affecting, but. Can we talk about the other way around like what symptoms might you experience that like what symptoms might you be experiencing that tell you, you need to look at your gut health? There's other
1: conditions too, that I think are really common, but again, not normal that people don't necessarily think to ever link back to their gut. Um, there are several clients in my course actually that are suffering from like chronic acne, whether it's something like paralysis or eczema, something like that. That's, um, inherently an autoimmune disease. Um, but they've always just been using medication or antibiotics or whatever it is, but almost all autoimmune conditions are rooted at the gut. Um, so kind of skin conditions are a clear sign of that. Thyroid conditions, um, I mean, anxiety and ADHD and depression, those types of symptoms. That's a fascinating area if people want to get into that. <laughs> it is, yeah, it's just very eye-opening. Um, i trying to think of some other ones. I mean, a lot of like hormone imbalances or PCOS or endometriosis, those types of things have all been linked back to Gut dysfunction. Um, And a lot of times when people are able to heal their gut, they will notice that those symptoms or those conditions will start to either minimize or disappear, which is really great. Um, That, yeah, so those are kind of the other conditions that I don't think we hit on. Um, Just to kind of, I would just encourage people if they have any of those symptoms to look into supporting their gut health and to see kind of how they are able to progress, um, or if they notice any changes in their symptoms. Um, because like I said, I mean, I just, I truly do feel like gut health is the golden ticket. And if you can support your gut, it is going to, I mean, all of these symptoms that we often experience just kind of go away because our gut's happy (laughs) and it controls so much.
0: Yeah. So, okay. So there's a lot here. (laughs) Um, (laughs) but let's say I have some symptoms and I've decided that I need to look at my gut health. I guess, how do you go about making obviously by your program, (laughs) um, but (laughs) how do you, yeah. How do you go about addressing that? Um, yeah, it's just,
1: it's so complex. Um, but and it's not an overnight deal at all, which I want people to know upfront. Um, it just, it can take months or even years to kind of deal with all the variables that are involved with gut health and supporting it and trying to eliminate certain factors, which I know the listeners might not like hearing. I know we all like to think that, you know, we can heal ourselves in a week or whatever it is, but, um, I keep kind of joking with our my clients in a gut check course that our world is out to get our guts because there's so much truth to it and it takes a lot of intention to dodge all the dietary and lifestyle factors that are out to get our gut. Um, so I encourage people to just start doing research. If I mean, taking my course, I think would be very helpful for some, but if not, I mean, just start reading some books or start searching on the internet and making sure your sources are good. Cause not all of that is, you know, um, it's the internet, but just take it upon yourself to start learning that information because it's out there um, and then start experiment experimenting with yourself and your body. Um, again, I think as soon as you identify what's harmful and you can try to avoid those when you can um, because once you're no longer exposing your gut to those damaging factors, again your gut lining will have the opportunity to heal and you can then start focus on consuming that. Good bacteria that you need for your microbiome to flourish. So, in short, I would just say remove and rebuild should always be the focus. So, removing those offenders is the best thing that you can do. So, removing sugar and gluten and trying to get off, you know, antibiotics if you can and all these other things, and then rebuilding it. So, um, making sure you're consuming good probiotics and prebiotics and all of those things that are going to help bring up that good bacteria ratio in your microbiome um, is going to be really helpful in kind of overall healing your gut.
0: That's awesome. Yeah. And in terms of like a quick fix, it can be time or it can be just like, give me the one pill that's going to fix it. And that's all I have to do. But right. <laughs> unfortunately, it's not that easy. It's not. I know I
1: actually, so I think it was when we first started school. Yeah. Cause I did the food intolerance test and realized that I was intolerant to sweet potatoes and mm-hmm. sweet potatoes are what I consume all the time. So I was devastated for lack of better words, but so that was, I figured out it was nine months ago and this week I actually tried reintroducing them and I had no symptoms whatsoever. And I am so excited that, I mean, that's just a sign that my gut is healing and I've taken some time to you know be intentional about it but that's been nine months (laughs) so it's I don't want people to think that it's this quick thing but at the same time I mean nine months goes by fast you just you just I don't know
0: you get used to life without sweet potatoes and you adapt (laughs) have to imagine but yeah that's that's how I kind of feel like with gluten like I kind of try it every I don't know probably like nine months to a year and keep hoping I'll be able to tolerate it, and I don't. But I've been off of it for maybe five years now, and but as you've seen, I have been able to do sourdough now, which has gluten, but it's fermented, and um, so I don't know if that's a sign of it getting better. But it's it does take a long time, and I'm I'm just hoping one day it'll come back.
1: (laughs) I know, (laughs) and you're like I love seeing your sourdough pictures. They just make me drool.
0: We love sourdough so much. I'm so into it. Do you make sourdough?
1: We haven't yet. Nick. I haven't necessarily been motivated to do it. I'm not big on like baking and yeah, cooking and doing recipes and stuff, but he likes to do that type of thing. Um, so I think we're gonna try here in like the next week. But he's also he wants it
0: done kind of the next day type of thing. So
1: he hasn't started because it's a longer process, but
0: Yeah, it is, but it's it doesn't take that much time and it, it is very fulfilling. <laughs> but I some thought the starter. same thing. Like I'm not a baker and I'm like, oh, that seems involved. And, but then somebody gave me a starter and I'm like, whatever, I'll try it. And now it's kind of addicting. <laughs> yeah. You're hooked. Yes. It all looks so good though.
1: Yeah. Um, so. I wanted to touch on quick, a point that you made just about gluten for you Yeah. Um, and how you do have those symptoms. But for some people like me, like I don't necessarily have symptoms when I have gluten, which makes it harder because I know in my head, I'm like, I know this isn't good for me, but it's easy to just eat when you don't have the symptoms. But I think a big thing, because I get the question a lot of how do you stay motivated to you know eat these good things or stay away from certain foods? And I'm seeing a lot with the clients in the course, they have sent feedback after like a week or two and they removed gluten and they removed sugar, like just a couple of things. And they're like, I feel so much better. I had no idea that I was experiencing these things. I had no idea how poorly I was feeling this whole time and just thinking that was normal. Um, and then I think it's just a big piece of the motivation and how I tie that back in because you just, once you feel how good you can feel without these foods in your life that are causing so much harm deep down, um, it's just it's easier not to kind of fall back on them because i i don't think a lot of people have experienced what it really feels like to truly like feel healthy to the core and maybe i haven't either but i i feel like i'm getting there um just because we've all been brought up on such processed diets and all of these foods and just the lifestyle in general it's just all very quick and fast fix and all these things that we just are running so fast that we haven't slowed down to even listen to our bodies. So I think it's important for people when they do try to just start. And I know they don't want to eliminate gluten. Nobody does. um, But try it. And I think that they will be very happy and motivated to keep moving forward once they understand how good they can feel without it, if that makes sense.
0: No, it's totally funny you say that because in a in a weird way it's easier for people to be motivated by feeling bad than feeling good like if you have this immediate reaction to it it's really easy to say like oh no i just can't do that i don't i don't want to feel te- feel terrible but like this i might not feel good it's easier to kind of like cheat or just from what I've seen with people. So I'm almost thankful sometimes that I have such an immediate reaction that it's like, there's so many foods that are just off the table for me. Yeah, (laughs) Um, you're totally right. Yeah, so I don't have to make those choices when I see a table of like fried food or desserts or whatever. It's just like, oh, well, I can't do any of that. (laughs) The consequences are too, (laughs) (laughs) it's so weird too. It's not even digestive. It feels like I had like, a ton of coffee and then I can't sleep and like, I'm super wired. So maybe it's that heart racing heart kind of like adrenaline response. Um, But it's just like, yeah, I'm not going to not sleep all night and have muscle tension. So,
1: right. (laughs) I know it's not worth it. And everybody's symptoms (laughs) too are so different. Like you said, I mean, some people might have to run to the bathroom after having gluten, but for you it's just like that kind of
0: heart racing type feeling and it's not fun either way. So. No, and it can be hard too when the symptoms don't necessarily show up right away. Because it's if it's a large intestine thing, your food isn't there right away. It could be something exactly. from several meals ago. If you <laughs> if you have the uh, problems on the south end of things, yeah,
1: I know, and <laughs> that's where the detective work gets a little hard when you're mm-hmm. trying to navigate those food intolerances because it's not always just the last thing you ate. It could be you know a couple meals ago. So
0: yeah, it takes some time, but you can do it. Yeah. Well, is there anything else you want to share about your program? Like what people could expect if they enrolled or um, who it might be good for or when you're running it again?
1: Yeah. So I I think I'm actually planning. So we are on week four right now. It's a six week course and um, I'm planning on relaunching it June 1st. Um, It happens to be a Monday, so it works out perfectly. But yeah. So I can just kind of walk through, let me actually just pull it up. Cause it's seeing, I do this, I made the course and then I just keep adding to it because I'm like, Oh, this is helpful. This is helpful. So it's turned into so much more of what I thought, which is great. There's so many resources in here, but, um, so the first week we walk through some of the foundations that we talk about in the um, NTP program. And I focus pretty heavily on the first three. So eating properly prepared nutrient-dense foods. Um, We talk about, you know, label education, how to read ingredients, what to look out for, why it's important to, um, you know, properly source your foods and your meats and why it's important to go organic and all those things that, again, like we talked about at the beginning of the episode, um, all these words are thrown around (laughs) in our diet culture. Like you should eat organic, but nobody knows not nobody. Some people don't know why. And I think again, what tying that back to the motivation is once you understand and have that education and that base knowledge of okay, what is this doing to my body on a cellular level? Or what is it, how am I going to, you know, how are my hormones going to be affected and in all of these different areas? I think it's way easier for people to stay motivated and to actually implement long lasting change in their life, whether that be just dietary or lifestyle. Um So yeah, we go through that foundation we talk a lot about digestion, a lot about digestion, um, and then blood sugar. So we touch on those three and just, because I think once those three are addressed, it's much easier to move forward with your gut. And if those three are out of balance, um, it's really hard for your gut to heal in any way, shape or form. So that's kind of the first week that we dive into just kind of at a foundational level and then we get into more education about the gut specifically. So kind of like we talked about today, but just some of the anatomy and physiology of the gut so people understand what the gut is and what we're referencing. Um, and then some signs you may be experiencing gut di- dysfunction, um, different things that affect it. And there's a lot of different like research articles and videos I put in there in interactive Um, options for people just so, I mean, everyone learns very differently. So I'm a very visual person. So I like watching videos and I like hearing it rather than just reading. So I try to incorporate that a lot. Um, And there's a quiz at the end of each chapter that just hit on the points that I think are very important that people understand fully before moving forward. Um, Because again, I just want that education piece to be the foundation of the course. So they feel confident once the course is over making choices without me right there with them. Um, and then, so week four, sorry, I might be rambling, but I'm just going through this right now. So this is where we're at this week and it's talking about the different ways that we can support our gut. So I know in this episode too, we talked a lot about the things that are damaging to our gut. Um, but I don't want people to, fear that um, or feel overwhelmed because there are so many ways that you can support it. Um, And I want people to have those resources and feel motivated to, you know, get those probiotics and prebiotics into their body and know what to look for and all those types of things. And then we dive into all the gut connections. So we talk about the gut brain connection, gut anxiety, depression, connection, gut stress, autoimmune, allergy, thyroid, skin, just reading them all off right now. Um, because a lot of the clients that joined came to me beforehand with some type of connection. And I think they were drawn to some of the information that I was sharing of how those are related. Um, so as far as clientele goes or people that would be good for the course, I think if you do experience any of those symptoms that we talked about previously, um, this would be a great place for you to start, um, just to have that foundational knowledge and resources moving forward. And then the final week is I put together a seven day gut forward food guide. So throughout the week. It's I don't like to call it a meal plan or like a diet by any means. It's just kind of a rough um, guide for people to follow that don't include any of the offenders that we walk through during the course, but they incorporate all of the things that are super beneficial to our gut. Um, just so people can have kind of a practical way to implement this into their life and use all of the tools and all the education that we worked through in the previous five weeks.
0: That's amazing. That sounds like an incredible resource. Um, So I might have to, I might have to join you guys in June.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you should. I, yeah, I love it. I feel like it's my proud little baby since I don't have children right now, but no, it's just, (laughs) it's loaded with a lot of good stuff. And I just, especially right now too, I just want people to have this information. I think it's just building up our immune system and focusing on the things that are naturally going to, you know, support our bodies often just get pushed to the wayside, which is frustrating. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's been awesome to be able to provide this information and just connect with the clients in the group. So it's pretty cool. Can so
0: can you there. tell people where they can find you?
1: Yeah. So I am at buns and balance on Instagram and then my website is buns so those are my two kind of platforms that I use the most. And if you guys want to subscribe to mybunsandbalance.com, um you'll get some newsletters and things like that to stay in the loop. And then I'll I definitely use that channel to contact people and let them know about upcoming resources and like when the next gut
0: check course will be launching. Um so that's where you can find me. That's awesome. Thank you so much. This is incredible. So yeah, thanks for having me on. It was awesome talking to you. Yeah. And I'll talk to everybody else next week. Have a good one. Email us your questions at nourishedandnurturing at gmail.com and find us on Instagram at nourishedandnurturing. You can find more from me, Marissa, at confidentlybalanced.com. And you can find more from me, Michelle, on Instagram at Michelle Taggy. Please subscribe, rate, and review our podcast if you like what you heard and share it with a friend. We look forward to talking to you next week.